When Adira was 13, she learned an important lesson about Canada's national sport. So she wrote it down in her diary. Dear diary, lacrosse is fun, but not when you're playing it alone. I have friends. <laughs> I have friends, but there's an odd number of us, and they all already had partners. So the gym teacher told me to whip it against the wall. <laughs> That's Adira reflecting on the experience of solo lacrosse. I'm Dan Meisner, and this... This, right now, is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. How are you doing? This is a show where we go back in time to remember the good, the bad, and the awkward parts of growing up. This time, recorded live as part of the Kingston Canadian Film Festival, we have a forbidden friendship, a fan letter to the new kids on the block, some vaguely sinister song lyrics, and much more. This stuff is weird, it is wonderful, and a bit like lacrosse, it's best enjoyed as a group. So think about who you were when you were a kid, and stick around. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Adobe. At CDW, we get your organization can be demanding. We know you're in there. I know. The marketing team's outside my office. They want their Adobe update now. With Adobe's value incentive plan, deployed by the experts at CDW, you can quickly and easily manage software subscriptions for the whole team. On Acrobat and Creative Cloud? All included. Cool. Guys, I'm coming out. Don't hurt me. For a satisfied digital workforce, you need Adobe and IT orchestration by CDW. People who get it. Find out more at cdw.com slash adobe. When Lori was 11, she was a big fan of the music group New Kids on the Block. So she wrote them fan letters. And at our Kingston show, Lori brought a few of those letters along. Some of the letters were written to the entire band, and some were written specifically to one of the members, her favorite, Joey McIntyre. Wearing a New Kids on the Block t-shirt, please welcome Lori to our stage. Dear Joey, hi, my name is Lori. I'm 11 years old. I know that this letter is not going to be much because you get so many other letters and cards. I have all three of your tapes and I really enjoy them a lot. As a matter of fact, I'm listening to one of them right now. My favorite colors are black and white, gold, red, and blue. I heard that you're getting another tape out in February or March. I'll probably be the first person to get it. I also read in Teen Set that Walt Disney is making a movie about you cute guys. I already saw one of your movies. It was really great. I collect teddies. I have tons of them. I also collect posters of you, Danny, Donnie, Jonathan and Jordan, I have tons of them. I really like your singing. It's so soft, like your skin. (laughs) And your eyes, they're bright blue, and they twinkle. You're just everything that a girl likes in a guy. I really, really like you. (laughs) I live in Charlottetown, PEI. It's not often that you get letters from PEI. Well, anyhow, if you're looking for a nice vacation spot, come to PEI in the summer. There's beautiful beaches and really nice camping grounds. I think you should try it. You would like it. Can you tell me if you'll try it? (laughs) Right back, please. Love, Lori. 
The second letter is to the whole band. Dear Joe Bird, <laughs> Donnie, Jordan, John, Jonathan, and Danny. You know the Canada Games? Probably. Well, anyhow, my mother is the sport director for gymnastics, and she said that you guys are considered very important people, so you would be able to get into gymnastics for free. <laughs> Can you please write back? <laughs> because it's my third time writing. And my mother needs to be able to get the VIP cards made. <laughs> and when the cards come in, I'll send you one. You would be staying at Prince Edward Island's fanciest hotel, the CP Hotel. It's really, really nice. But one bad thing is that you would have to pay for your plane ticket. I have one of your t-shirts, one of your pins with Josh Joe on it, and tons of posters. I also have a photo album of 40 pages. It's all full of pictures of you guys. <laughs> on win, lose, or draw, one of the things you had to draw was the new kids on the block. I heard that you were starting a tour in Toronto, Montreal, and Quebec. I really wish that I could go, but as usual, like parents say, we don't have enough money. <laughs> I'm really sick of hearing that. Every morning, even on school days, I look at my posters <laughs> and I think to myself, what will happen if I don't see the new kids on the block? My life will be tragic. <laughs> Just sometimes I wonder. <laughs> I really, really, really hope I get to meet you guys someday because I'm always really tight up because I'm scared I'm not going to meet you guys, but I have a feeling I will. I'm in gymnastics and I really am pretty good. Not excellent, but I'm getting there. <laughs> well, anyhow, we listen to your tapes, and whenever I'm scared to do a hard move, I just think of you guys, and you really, really give me self-confidence. <laughs> um, if it weren't for you guys, I wouldn't be this good at all. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. I also sprained my wrist, not in gymnastics. <laughs> I slipped it when I was running backwards. That's why my writing is sloppy. You know what? I ran out to ask my mom how to spell sprain, and she told me that one of my gym coaches had a baby girl this morning. <laughs> I'm really happy for her. Thanks from a real good friend, Lori. P.S. Can you please write me back and tell me if you'll come to the Canada Games? Thanks again. Thank you. That was great. Lori, I think I know the answer to this. Did the new kids on the block end up coming to the Canada Games that year? They didn't even write me back. Poetry is always popular at Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids, especially angsty teenage poetry. When Alyssa was 13, she wrote a poem, and to call this angsty feels a little bit like an understatement. Okay, now to get the full effect, I'm going to need you to picture me with a really bad black dye job, fishnets on both arms, and an abusive black eyeliner bordering on criminal. <laughs> I am trapped in a place without light. 
I cannot see the creatures that lurk in the dark, and my soul is tortured by the forever nothingness. My eyes burn with blackness. I pray not for life, but only for absolution, for warmth that will never come. I am without love and without being. There is nothing left for me, nothing but the power of this life stone. I pray not to God. God has forsaken me. <laughs> I lay in a pool of darkness that spreads around me like blood, but it is not nearly so warm. I lay alone in my own sin, in my own hopelessness, wondering at the color of my soul. I lay alone in nothing, wondering at everything, knowing that one is the key to the other and not yet understanding how. There is nothing left here for me, nothing but a land of shadows, a town of phantoms. I close my eyes against the hatred, against all that is trying to destroy me, and I pray for better days. Even as I search for my soul and clutch to my life stone, even as I squeeze shut my eyes and bite my lips, I can feel all that was my life seeping out of me. Everything is gone. There is no need to stay here any longer, and I weep when I realize it. Everything has turned to nothing, and I suddenly understand the riddle of time. But what good does that do me now? I know the answer to that as well. Nothing. <laughs> And so I fall away, I close my eyes, and I let my soul run free one last time. I sigh deep into the earth, I feel my heart gasp, and then I drift away. Finally, I am free. There is no pain, there is no hell. The black sea is calm enough to travel, and I sink into the depths. I know now that I am not meant to love. There is nothing more to do. All that once was, all that kept me rooted is gone. I weep, my tears becoming the sea. I can wait no longer, and why would I? I say goodbye to life, and I feel my life stone slip from my fingers. Eternity is creeping up on me, pulling me gently from the waters. One last time, and for the first time, I see my love, and his eyes are like mine. They are pained. Thank you. <laughs> Growing up means becoming more independent, taking on new responsibilities, gaining the trust of others, and also gaining confidence in yourself. When Yu King was in grade two, her teacher asked everybody in the class to write the story of the first time they had done something. And so Yu King wrote about the first time she was able to come home from school without parental or grandparental supervision, a big deal in a young kid's life. Please welcome Yu King to the Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids stage. I'm so cool. I'm so cool. If you're wondering why am I bragging myself, that's because this is the first time in forever. I came back home alone without the company of my grandma or grandpa. After two afternoon classes, my teacher suddenly announced we will all be dismissed for the rest of the day. Now I had to get my bag and walk out. I saw many classmates were waiting for their parents to pick them up at the school gate. And I thought, I can't waste my pressure, pressure time like that. 
but there are three very busy roads I need to cross on my way home. I hesitated for a bit and finally made up my mind to go home alone. I got frightened by a fear when, when crossing the first road. Then there was another little car passing me. The traffic flow rolled like a river that tried to squeeze me. <laughs> I waited for a long time and finally plucked up the courage to flee between cars. I got bolder when crossing the second road. Peeking left and right as the car's moving, and successfully crossed the road following some adults. As I came to the safe sidewalk street, I felt that the sun was shining brighter today. The sky was more blue than before. And white clouds were smiling. Everything was fresh. Every time I go home with my grandparents before this, I always love to hunt them in the store shopping. Those stores were hanging colorful commodities as always, but today I did not visit them. Today I devotedly went to cross the third and last row before home. Here it came, I looked around and there was no car at all. So I quickly ran through it. I hummed a little song, carried my bag and walked home happily. <laughs> It is so cool to go home alone. If you don't believe me, try it yourself. Thank you. Jeans. They're an American staple. No article of clothing is more closely linked to our nation's history. Today, denim's a $90 billion industry, but that success didn't come easy. I'm David Brown, the host of Wondery Show Business Wars. We go deep into some of the biggest corporate rivalries of all time. And in our latest series, we're unzipping how Levi's, Lee, and Wrangler managed to take workman's wear from the frontier to the runway and closets around the world. Join us for Denim Wars. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Our next reader, Simone, shared a few different pieces from her teenage years. First, we're going to hear the speech Simone gave when she was 16 and running for student government for the position of head girl. And then we'll hear a poem she wrote when she was 18 on the occasion of her sister's birthday. Please welcome to the Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids stage, Simone. My fellow classmates, the first day of grade nine was pretty scary. I was all alone. I didn't come with any of my friends. It was, I was really, really shy. But three years later, it's 1998, I'm no longer shy, my self-esteem is sky high, and positive mental attitude is my middle name. <laughs> what are my talents? Who am I? Baby, I'm all that you need and more. <laughs> I'm enthusiastic, I got spirit, I got the fire, and honey, I will burn you with my flaming positivity. <laughs> and every day I walk through the halls and smile, you people can't help but smile back at me when you catch my gaze. <laughs> As head girl, I can be your hands, your feet, your voice, but you, you are the heartbeat. <laughs> 
Alone, we can make sparks, but together we can make a fire. If you want a head girl who will speak for you, stand by you, and most of all, listen to you, vote Simone Notley, because I believe in you. <laughs> A poem to my sister Elizabeth. You are the sugar in my tea. <laughs> the dent in my dimple. Though my mind has much to say, I find my words rather simple. Every morning I wake up, and much to my dismay, you show up with a bright shining face saying, have you had your medication today? <laughs> You don't mind when I stink, because usually you stink too. <laughs> we are like two peas in a pod named Pepe and Le Pew. I couldn't imagine living without you at my side. It's a warm and pleasant feeling knowing you'd be there if I died. <laughs> I love you, Liz. Happy birthday from Simone. Thank you so much for listening. Joining us on stage right now, Robin is going to share some song lyrics. What you need to know is that Robin's dad was a songwriter, and when Robin was in grade four, she fancied herself a songwriter in her own respect. So she wrote a couple of songs, and we are going to hear some of them right now, including songs titled House for Rent, Lonely Child... <laughs> and one that gets a little dark called Don't Bully Around. Please welcome Robin to the Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids stage. House for Rent, grade four, age nine. I skipped grade two. Now I lay in my coffin, deep beneath the ground. I don't move a muscle, I don't make a sound. Because of that house for rent, nobody wanted that house for rent. That's the light one. Apparently I had a dark side. I'm actually quite optimistic, and so was my father. Lonely child, grade 7, age 11. I'm just a lonely child living in a world that has gone wild, and I don't know what to do. I never knew my father, I never knew my mom, I only knew my brother, he died in Vietnam. <laughs> Don't bully around, same grade. Don't bully around, don't bully around, don't bully around, don't bully around, or you'll fall upon the ground. Don't bully around, this is a nervous one. Don't bully around, or you never will be found. <laughs> Don't bully around. Thank you. I love any song lyrics written by a grade four. They come across as a thinly veiled threat. <laughs> Thank you. 
When Early and Jolene were in elementary school, they were best friends. But later on, they ended up going to different high schools. So as a way to stay in touch, they wrote notes to each other. At our Kingston show, Early and Jolene shared a couple of those notes. But there's something you need to know. In grade nine, Early's mom forbade her friendship with Jolene. So these notes and their entire friendship had to remain a secret. Why exactly was Airly forbidden from being friends with Jolene? Well, it's not clear at the beginning of this exchange, but if you listen closely, I think you'll figure it out. Please welcome Jolene and Airly to share this mic on the Grown Up Street Things They Wrote As Kids stage. A quick heads up, these notes include some cuss words, which we do not bleep. There is your heads up. First up, here's Jolene, followed by Airly. April 5th, 1999. Well, that does it. I'm officially fed up. How have you been doing, girl? It's been a while, no? I tried to call your house earlier, and your mother flipped on me like I am some evil monster from hell. So I am going to stop procrastinating and sort this shit mess out. However, on the lighter side of things, I've missed you so much. You should never have changed schools. As for me, well, here goes nothing. I know your opinion of Ricky hasn't changed, but he has. He, Derek, and Goth Jess are verifiably, are verifiably my best friends with all respect to you of whom I haven't seen in so long. However, my life has been so hectic you really wouldn't believe it. And I guess I need one of those days to get back to my roots, you know? So I was going to invite you for coffee, but if I'm on your mom's bad side, that probably won't happen. So by all means, please sort of sort everything out and write back and or call me. It's been too long. See ya, Jolene. To Jolene, I've been doing okay, I guess, but I can't really fix things. When I got home, my mom asked me what I thought you, when you lied, and I didn't say anything. Then she said, you are mad at her, right? And of course I said yes. Well, what is I supposed to say? No, I'm not mad at her, and I still consider her my friend? They would have been pissed. You're going to have to apologize to my parents and figure out a way. Then I'm going to have to go on acting like I'm mad at you, and you're going to have to apologize to me. <laughs> Furthermore, why didn't you tell me you were in counseling? There is a reason why people's moms don't want you to see them, and it's not because of your looks. It's because, please consider this. You're rude, and you lie to them. <laughs> My mother freaked because she told you not to call me or get anyone else to call me for you. I think you should apologize to my mom in person or on the phone, but in person would be best. I don't care if you mean it or not. <laughs> I'm going to say one thing on account of not wanting to appear too sappy but I miss you, early. Okay, since we spoke, I have changed. Beyond belief, I have changed. Essentially, I am the same, but my conduct around adults has changed considerably. <laughs> I never used to know what manners were. Since then, 
I've lived, I've learned, I've, I've loved, I've loved, I've lost and lost again. I've been around, but now I have so many things on my mind that I don't have time to be rude to my parents. In counseling, I, I don't actually go to counseling, that's true. Who told you that? I'm curious. Also, please consider this. This whole mom hating me thing is no trend. In other words, my only, the only parents who dislike me are yours because of a misunderstanding in Katie's. I'll explain that later. <laughs> and I don't lie anymore because I don't have to. I'm honest with my parents about where I go and who I hang out with. Dear Jojo, I'm glad you've changed and learned not to get drunk at other people's houses. <laughs> Going back to fixing things, you have to sit my parents down, or at least my mom, and tell them you have changed, that you have learned your lessons. Counseling, I heard it from my mom, who heard it from Barb's mom, who heard it from your mom. <laughs> My cat is smelling this book right now. Bye-bye. Early. May 11th. Hey, Early. Life sucks. And I'm too lazy to find a pen. Goth just came to my house yesterday and dyed my hair again. It's freshly purple. See you later. Early. Oh, uh, P.S. I'm going to write your mom a letter. Jolene. Do not write to my mom. I repeat, do not write to my mom. Dear Mrs. Irvin, not too long ago, there was a misunderstanding between yourself, Early, and myself. I would like to have this misunderstanding eradicated for the sake of mine and Early's friendship. This letter was not written sooner out of fear of failure, but with recent contacts with Early, which won't be mentioned, I would like to have this problem solved. These are the true events of that fateful day and the day before. <laughs> On the night previous, I had decided to arrange a get-together with Early. During the phone conversation I had with her, it was arranged that Early would come to my house off the bus. Should the bus driver not allow her on the bus, she, we could call my mother at home to pick us up, and that was okay. The next day rolled around, and the bus driver indeed did not let Early on the bus. I decided that it wouldn't be much of a problem, because I would, could, could call my mother. We did call, but there was no answer. I was puzzled. <laughs> the misunderstanding was that while on the phone, I miscommunicated the fact that I would only be getting a ride if she couldn't get on the bus, but she communicated to you that we were just getting the ride. I guarantee this to be 100% true. That is, if you will take my word. However, you should know, and I'm not trying to tell you how to do your job, but trying to shelter early from the harsh world, and I know it's there, will not do any good. I'm telling you, it's just my viewpoint. I've made many mistakes, and I know how to get along on my own, but that doesn't mean I'm ready for it. In the end, I would like to be seen in a different light than I have been for the past few months, and I look forward to continuing a friendship with Early. Sincerely, Jolene Simcoe. That was 
delightfully convoluted. That is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids. Our show was recorded live as part of the Kingston Canadian Film Festival and was produced by Jenna Meisner. Olivia Nashmi is our associate producer. Our music is by Poddington Baron Lullatone. Our closing theme is Oh Dear Diary by Slow. If you want to know about upcoming live events, the best thing to do is join our email newsletter. Just visit grownups.fm and click newsletter. That way you will be the first to know when we are coming to your town. That's grownups.fm. Click newsletter or even easier, use the link in the episode notes on your device right now. I'm Dan Meisner. Thanks for listening. that you need a more.